Hi, welcome to New Hope Community Church Online. The sermon you are about to hear was originally given by Pastor Chuck Wilson. New Hope Community Church, to know, to live, and to share Jesus Christ. The title for today is Resurrection Fire. Resurrection Fire, 1 Kings 18, 37 to 38. And I think you'll be encouraged I know some, some of us are probably discouraged walking in, right? We're wondering, what is going on in my life? What's going on with God? Does he hear me? Is he out to get me? Uh, what's, what's happening? Anybody ever feel that way? Nobody here, but you might know somebody like that. You might live with someone like that, right? You're feeling that way. Uh, but today, I think we're going to be some encouragement. And it's also interesting that we landed on this passage on Easter Sunday, Resurrection Sunday. Oh, wait till you see the connections, all right? We're going to have a lot of fun with this. Uh, we finally have arrived at the climax of our story. Elijah is on Mount Carmel. He uh, is you know, having the battle up there. And this is where he calls down fire from heaven. All right, He calls down fire from heaven. And I'm going to start off talking about one time I was actually able to send fire down. Uh, not supernatural like this, but it was pretty exciting. I was in college, and uh, it was my senior year of college. And so I was almost graduated. And uh, we, we did a haunted house. My, my roommates, we had a, an apartment. There was six apartments in this apartment building in, in college. And we had an RA, and, and we had our six apartments. And we decided, well, one of my roommates, Bill, you always hear me talk about Bill and Todd and Tom. Those are the three, you know, the, we were like the four musketeers. Uh, and so you'll hear them in a lot of these stories. But Bill was... The instigator. He was always coming up with something. So he decided to have a, he's the one who ran the tree over. Remember that was Bill? All right, so anyway, uh, he decided to do a haunted house. And he pulled us all into it. We're going to do this haunted house. And, and he came up with these great ideas. He was, he was very clever. And he came up with all these great ideas. And it was mobbed. I remember there was like, it seemed like the whole campus came. It was just mobs of people waiting outside to come. They heard about our haunted house. And he really did it up. Uh, he did all kinds of crazy stuff. But what he gave Todd and I, he gave us the assignment of helping him with the fire. And what he did is, he was on the second floor, and as people came up from the first floor, and they would go through all the rooms, our whole apartment was turned into a maze, it was crazy. But he, he I remember he had a, a, a bottle of something, and he basically made a torch. And he had a torch, and as people came up the stairs, he was going to say, wait, stop, go back, hold the torch up. And, and we were up above on the third floor stairwell, and we would throw down a substance down onto the torch. I'm not going to tell you what the substance was, because I don't want anybody doing this at home. Please don't do this at home. I'm glad the kids were dismissed. But anyway, um, but anyway, Todd and I were up here, and, and we were, we, our job was to throw it down. So I had this little plastic cup, and I did about a quarter of the cup, and I would, we were practicing. I remember Bill said, okay, try it now, and try some more, and, and I threw it down about a quarter of a cup, and it made a flame about two feet high and two feet wide. It wasn't a big deal, and, and you know, we were like, this is going to be great, because we're going to shut the lights off, people in the dark, whoosh, you know, this is going to be a lot of fun. But the RA came along right at that time and said, Whoa, whoa, what are you guys doing? You can't have fire in the dorm like this. What are you doing? And, and Bill, Bill was, he, he could talk anybody into anything. And he said, he said, Oh no, Chris, it's okay. It's okay. It's really safe. This is no problem to do in the dorm. Nobody's going to get hurt. And, and he goes, No, 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 no. He goes, Wait, we'll show you, Chris. We'll show you how safe it is. Hey, Chuck and Todd. Hey, Throw, let's show Chris how safe it is. And he goes, throw, throw 
throw down a little bit of the magic dust, throw down a little bit of the, 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 the fire starter and show down a little bit and show them how safe it is. Yeah, we know what he was saying, trying to make it really look like it was nothing, you know, throw a pinch down, right? But we both knew what was going to happen. If I threw it down, that was it. They're not going to, he's going to see one whoosh and he's going there's no way, we just knew there was no way he was going to let us do this. So I said, well, we're not even going to have a job to do, so we might as well make it good. I looked at Todd, I snickered, you know, smart tea, smart back, and I scooped up a full cup, and I just like threw it over the top. And then I dove, I dove, literally we dove to the ground. It went whoosh, the whole hall was like this big whoosh, you know. It went every, we couldn't believe how much it was. And, and we're just laying there like, oh, that was a little too much, huh? And so we get up, we look down, and here's Bill holding the torch, still calm as ever, and his hair is singed, hair was singed off his arm, and he's like saying, see, Chris, it's totally fine. It's no problem. And while he's saying that, the rug was on fire. I'm not kidding. The rug was burning, and he's rubbing the rug out with his toe as he's saying this. And he says, see, it's no problem. And Chris, he said, yeah, I guess it's okay. <laughs> We were like, what? So he walks up, and Todd and I were laughing hysterically. Bill's going to kill us, you know? He's like, look at my arm, you know? He's like mad, you know? Yeah, but, but we got to do it the rest of the time. We had all this fire. Unbelievable, right? But we're going to see an even more unbelievable fire story coming down here in 1 Kings 18. And it's real fire. It's supernatural fire. It's sent down by God. It really did come down. Now, remember, Elijah's on Mount Carmel. Elijah versus the 450 prophets of Baal, trying to prove who the real God is. Is it Jehovah or Baal, right? And the, he let them go first. They failed the fire test. Baal never set any fire. Why? Because there was no Baal there. There's nobody there, right? And so it, now it's Elijah's turn. It's Jehovah's turn. Remember, Elijah means my God is Jehovah. He wasn't named that for nothing, right? And so we're going to see that he is going to get his shot here. We also saw last week, if you weren't here, listen to it because it, it builds on it. But we weren't here, if you weren't here last week, listen to it because last week we had Palm Sunday. And we saw how Elijah's preparation of the sacrifice that he's going to call fire down on top of, that preparation is a picture of Jesus Christ. And we saw how he was preparing the altar was just, just as he was preparing that altar, was the same way that he's preparing, it was the same way when Jesus came in for the triumphal entry for Palm Sunday, he was prepared for the cross. They were both presenting and preparing the sacrifice for the cross. Don't miss it. But today we're going to see Good Friday and Easter's connection to the story of Elijah too. This is going to be good. Nobody got all of it. Some people got lots of it. Nancy got lots of it. But nobody got all of it. I think you're going to be really fascinated by the prophetic connection. It's just powerful. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for the worship. We thank you for each one of us that's here today. We know we're here for a reason. We pray that your Holy Spirit would touch our hearts and speak to us through your word. We pray for your mercy and grace for this to happen in Jesus' name. Amen. Okay, so let's read it first of all. 1 Kings 18, 37 to 38. We're just going to hit those two verses today. Elijah gets ready now. It's his turn. He says, Answer me, O Lord. Answer me so that these people will know that you, O Lord, are God and that you are turning their hearts back again. Then the fire of the Lord fell and burned up the sacrifice, the wood, the stones, and the soil, and also licked up the water in the trench. Woo! That's a hot one. 
That's a hot one. Now, first of all, this fire coming down proves that Jehovah is the one true God. And we're going to focus on that next week, okay? So don't miss part two. That's going to be next week. But today, I want to focus on what the fire accomplished, what it accomplished, and its connection to Good Friday and to Resurrection Sunday, to Easter Sunday. Now, when the fire fell, it consumed the sacrifice completely. And it showed that God accepted Elijah's sacrifice. That showed he was accepting what he had offered on that altar. Now remember, Elijah is a type of Jesus Christ, especially in his prophetic ministry. And the sacrifice he offered is also a type of Jesus Christ. It's also a prophetic picture of Jesus Christ. It's a picture of Jesus' death for our sins on the cross. Remember last week we talked about the altar and the cross? Same thing. Same thing. On the altar, they sacrificed the animal. On the cross, Jesus, the ultimate Lamb of God, was sacrificed. It's a, it's a picture. And when, when the sacrifice was accepted here, just as when Jesus died on the cross and the sacrifice was accepted, that satisfied God's wrath for sin, his justice, and it made our justification and our atonement complete. It made it possible if we'll put our faith in God, in Jesus. It, the atonement becoming at one meant with God again. Our justification, just as if we never sinned, no matter what we've done, wiped away if we put our faith in Jesus. That's what this accomplished. So the fire that fell on this sacrifice proved that God accepted that sacrifice. That's what it proved. It not only proved that Jehovah was one true God, but for our purposes today, it proved that God, Jehovah, the one true God, accepted Elijah's sacrifice. And that sacrifice is a prophetic picture of Jesus dying on the cross. You got that? It's a picture. But when Jesus was sacrificed on the cross, there was no bolt of fire. There was no bolt of fire. There was no bolt. So how do we know that God accepted the sacrifice of Jesus Christ. How do we know? There was no firebolt like with Elijah. How do we know? How do we know our sins are really paid for? How do we know that we can really be forgiven by putting our faith in Jesus Christ and his death for us? How do we know that? Our bolt of fire is found in Romans 1. In Romans 1, we see our bolt of fire, verse 1, Paul, a servant of Christ Jesus, called to be an apostle and set apart for the gospel of God, the gospel he promised beforehand through his prophets in the Holy Scriptures regarding his son, who as to his human nature was the descendant of David and who through the spirit of holiness was declared with power to be the son of God. How? By his resurrection from the dead, Jesus Christ our Lord. Verse 4, and who through the spirit of holiness was declared with power to be the Son of God by his resurrection from the dead. Jesus Christ's resurrection was our bolt of fire. That's our, our bolt of fire. Jesus, the resurrection is the proof that God accepted the sacrifice, that the death of Jesus actually saved us. If we put our faith in him. That's the proof. 
All throughout history, there have been many spiritual leaders who claim that they have the answers for mankind and to, to connect us to God in some way. All throughout history, there's many religions and many religious leaders, but every one of them gave their so-called answers promised that it was going to solve our spiritual issues and connect us to God and, and give us purpose and meaning and all that. All those things. But then they died. Did they, did they have the answer? We don't know. We're just guessing, right? Their word against all the other people's words. But Jesus, only one person, Jesus Christ, claimed to be God's son, said, I'm going to die for you and come back from the dead to prove it. And he did it. It's a historical fact. Even people who don't like Jesus have to admit, it's a historical fact. It, he proved it by his resurrection. That's the key. That's how we know that God accepts, accepted that sacrifice on the cross because he brought Jesus back to life again. That's how. I remember one time seeing a Christmas card. I never forgot it. It said, what is the difference between Christmas and Buddhamus, Mohammedmus, and Hindumus? Easter. That's the difference. That's why we know we can trust Jesus Christ and no one else can be trusted. Because he proved it by his resurrection. That's the difference. The resurrection is the difference. So our bolt of fire is, is the resurrection of Jesus Christ. That's our bolt of fire that shows that Jesus was the one true son of God and that his death really did satisfy the payment for our sins and really can result in our atonement and justification if we put our faith in Jesus Christ and what he did for us. But also, even more with the book of, of with, with here in 1 Kings 18 with Elijah, even more we also see the resurrection prophetically pictured in Elijah's life. I don't know if you've ever caught this. You're going to have some fun with this. We're going to have to go. We're going from 1 Kings to 2 Kings later in Elijah's life, just before he's getting ready to go back. 2 Kings 2, verse 1. When the Lord was about to take Elijah up to heaven in a whirlwind, Elijah and Elisha were on their way from Gilgal. Ooh, Gilgal. Anybody remember? Does that ring a bell for anybody? Let's go a little bit further. Verse 4. Hang on to Gilgal there. Then Elijah said to him, Stay here, Elisha. The Lord has sent me to Jericho. And he replied, As surely as the Lord lives and as you live, I will not leave you. So they went to Jericho. We're getting warmer. Anybody remember the book? Remember Gilgal and Jericho, how they're connected? Anybody remember that? Here we go. Verse 7. Fifty men of the company of the prophets went and stood at a distance facing the place where Elijah and Elisha had stopped at the Jordan. you got to be getting it now. Elijah took his cloak, rolled it up, and struck the water with it. The water divided to the right and to the left, and the two of them crossed over on dry ground. Gilgal, Jericho, the Jordan. What happened there? Joshua. Remember, we spent three years in Joshua, in case you're forgetting. All right, all right. Joshua, this is the same exact place that Joshua crossed the Jordan. Same spot. There's no accidents in Scripture. The Holy Spirit records it all for a very specific reason. Remember Joshua, remember we studied Joshua. Joshua is a Hebrew word. What's the Greek word? Jesus, right? He's a picture of Jesus, a prophetic picture of Jesus. And Jordan means Judgment, judgment, it's a picture of death, right? And 
It's a picture. This is a picture. Joshua and Elijah both crossing the same exact place. It's a picture of the resurrection of Jesus Christ. A prophetic picture. Remember I talked about that. Elijah, Joshua going through and coming out again was a picture of Jesus going through death and coming out again. In fact, this very spot is where Jesus was baptized. And remember he was baptized? Why did Jesus have to be baptized? He never sinned. Because it was a prophetic picture. When Jesus went under the waters of the Jordan and came out again with John the Baptist, when he came out again, that was, he was saying, this is what's going to happen to me. I'm going to go into judgment. I'm going to die because baptism is a picture of death and resurrection. And when he came out, he's showing I'm going to come back alive. And he did it in the same exact place that Joshua and Elijah miraculously parted the Jordan because that's exactly what Jesus is, what did for us. It's the same thing. Joshua made a way for the Israelites to cross the Jordan. Remember, they all followed him. He made the way. And they, as they took that step of faith, remember their toes touched the water, opened up, right? That's what happened. He made a way. And Elijah made a way for who followed him through? Elisha. Elisha Elijah is a picture of Jesus. Elisha, as we see when we move into the life of Elisha sometime, when we get there, Elisha is a picture of the disciples. The disciples. Elisha means my God is salvation. They were saved by God because of Elijah. And that's a picture. It's a, a prophetic picture. Elisha was called by Elijah to follow him, and then he was, called, they were, he was called to carry on the works of Elijah, just like Jesus called the disciples, the apostles, and, and they carried on his work. This is all a picture. It's a picture of Elijah going through. This is a picture, a prophetic picture of Jesus' death and resurrection. And here's even more to the story, even more. Look what happens right after he goes through the Jordan, which is a picture of death and resurrection of Jesus. Right after that, in verse 11, as they were walking along and talking together, suddenly a chariot of, of fire and horses of fire appeared and separated the two of them. And Elijah went up to heaven in a whirlwind. Elisha saw this and cried out, My father, my father, the chariots and horsemen of Israel. And Elisha saw him no more, and he took hold of his clothes and tore them apart. This is a picture of what? The ascension. It's a prophetic picture of what's going to happen after Jesus' death, resurrection, goes through the Jordan. After that, 40 days later, the ascension in front of the apostles, just as Elisha saw Elijah go up, the apostles, the 12 apostles, well, 11, 11, 11 at that time, saw Jesus' ascension. It was witness. This is a prophetic picture. Elijah's life and even his being taken up, going through the Jordan, being taken up, is a picture of Jesus' death, resurrection, and then ascension. It's all right there. Can't miss it. Can't miss it. You'll never read it the same again, will you? Once again, though, our bolt of fire, coming back to our bolt of fire today, our bolt of fire is the resurrection of Jesus Christ. The resurrection of Jesus Christ is our bolt of fire. But it didn't stop there. The, fiery, the fire didn't stop there. The book, in the book of Acts, we see after, right after Jesus' ascension, just like you saw Elijah go up in the chariots of fire, right after that, that's a picture of what happened, Jesus' ascension, but we see in Acts chapter 2, right after that happened, Acts chapter 2, verse 1. I'll get this. 
more prophetic proof, more fiery proof. When the day of Pentecost came, they were all together in one place. Suddenly a sound like the blowing of a violent wind came from heaven and filled the whole house where they were sitting. They saw what seemed to be tongues of fire that separated and came to rest on each of them. All of them were filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak in other tongues as the Spirit enabled them. Wild stuff. Uh, I'll read the next couple verses. Now, while they were staying in Jerusalem, God-fearing Jews from every nation under heaven, when they heard the sound and the crowd came together in bewilderment because each of them heard them speaking in his own language, utterly amazed, they asked, Are not all these men who are speaking Galileans? Then how is it each of us hears them in his own language? Verse 12, amazed and perplexed, they asked one another, What does this mean? And, and so we see that, that this is another, another fiery confirmation. Follow me on this. The tongues of fire is another fiery confirmation that, the bolt, that Jesus' sacrifice was accepted. The bolt of fire was, was shown here. Peter tells him exactly what it means in verse 36 when he says, Therefore, let all Israel be assured of this. God has made this Jesus whom you crucified both Lord and Christ. When the people heard this, they were cut to the heart and said to Peter and the other apostles, Brothers, what shall we do? Peter replied, Repent and be baptized, every one of you, in the name of Jesus Christ, for the forgiveness of your sins, and you will receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. The promise is for you and your children and for all who are far off, for all whom the Lord our God will call. With many other words, he warned them and he pleaded with them, Save yourselves from this corrupt generation. Those who accepted his message and were baptized, and about 3,000 were added to their number that day. Woo! Wow. Wimpy Peter. You remember Peter? Just before this? Hiding? Backing down to the servant girl? I don't know Jesus. I don't know who, no, I don't know who the blankety-blankety-blank Jesus is. He was cursing. And here he is preaching A super sermon. What's the difference? The Holy Spirit came within him. The promise is the Holy Spirit came within. That's the difference. Now, as when you, the moment you put your faith, this happened right after the ascension, but now the Bible teaches the moment you put your faith in Jesus Christ, the Holy Spirit comes within you. He immediately lives inside of you. 1 Corinthians 6 19 says, Do you not know that your body is a temple of the Holy Spirit who is in you? whom you have received from God, you're not your own. The Holy Spirit is in you. If, the, if you have, have ever turned to Jesus and said, Jesus, I believe you died on the cross for my sin. I ask you to forgive me. I put my faith in you to bring me to your Father. The moment you do that, the, your sins are forgiven and the Holy Spirit comes and lives inside of you. And this is an amazing thing. It's an amazing thing. The Holy Spirit's fire that came down on the apostles, came within them, comes into us now, means that now the Holy Spirit can live within us as believers. But this is shocking because before Jesus came, the Holy Spirit could not live in, inside of a believer. Did you know that? The Old Testament believers did not have the Holy Spirit living inside of them. They couldn't come in. Why? Because sin wasn't paid for yet. They couldn't, they couldn't come in because of sin. The Holy Spirit would come upon believers. Remember the heroes of the Old Testament when they're getting ready to do something heroic? What does it say? The Spirit of the Lord came upon them. Not within, 
upon them. And as soon as the job was done, he's gone. He could not dwell inside of the believer and the, of the Old Testament believers. He couldn't do it because sin was there and a holy God cannot be in the same place where there's sin. It's impossible. It's impossible. And believers, not only that, Old Testament believers could not go into God's presence. When an Old Testament saint died, a believer in God, when they died, they did not go into God's presence. You know where they went? Luke 16 tells us exactly where they went. They didn't, they didn't go into God's presence in heaven. That's not where they went. Luke 16, listen to this. Luke 16, this is not a parable. This is the story of Lazarus and the rich man. Jesus, when he told parables, never used a name of a person. This is an actual person. An actual person he's describing. Listen to what he says here. There, verse 19, there was a rich man who was dressed in purple and fine linen and lived in luxury every day. At his gate was laid a beggar named Lazarus, covered with sores and longing to eat what fell from the rich man's table. Even the dogs came and licked his sores. The time came when the beggar died and the angels carried him to Abraham's side. Not to heaven. Some of your Bibles say Abraham's bosom. Abraham's bosom, Abraham's side. The rich man also died and was buried. In hell, where he was in torment, he looked up and saw Abraham far away with Lazarus by his side. So he called to him, Father Abraham, have pity on me and send Lazarus to dip the tip of his finger in water and cool my tongue because I'm in agony in this fire. So the, the one who was not a saint, did not follow God, did not put his faith in God, was sent to what we would call hell. All right? It's actually Hades. Both sides were called Hades. There was Abraham bosom Hades, and then there was the hot Hades. Okay, there's two sides to Hades. Okay, good side, bad side, before. But Abraham replied, son, remember that in your lifetime you received your good things while Lazarus received bad things, but now he is comforted here and you are in agony. And besides all this between us and you, a great chasm has been fixed so that those who want to go from here to you cannot, nor can anyone come over from there to us. He answered, Then I beg you, Father, send Lazarus to my father's house, for I have five brothers. Let him warn them, so they will not also come to this place of torment. Abraham replied, They have Moses and the prophets. Let them listen to them. No, Father Abraham, he said, but if someone from the dead goes to them, they will repent. He said to them, If they do not listen to Moses and the prophets, they will not be convinced even if someone rises from the dead. That is prophetic, isn't it? Jesus rose from the dead. He brought Lazarus, another Lazarus, back from the dead. And did it result in all those religious leaders turning to God? No. They wanted to kill Lazarus and Jesus. Remember the plan, the plot? And when Jesus rose from the dead, did they all turn to God? No. They killed Jesus' followers since they couldn't get to Jesus anymore. That was prophetic. That's a prophetic picture. But the point here is these Old Testament saints could not go into God's presence. Why? Because sin was not paid for. They had to go into Abraham's bosom. Uh, it was a good place, but it wasn't heaven, and it wasn't in God's presence. 
It wasn't until Jesus died on the cross that he said to the thief next to him, today you will be with me in paradise. And that's when Jesus died. He went down, not to hell. There's this whole superstition. Jesus went to hell and was pinched by demons and and he suffered and then finally he was able to go up to heaven. That is not where he went. The Hades he went to was the good side, was the bosom of Abraham. He went down there and took the Old Testament saints At that moment, he took them up to heaven with him into his father's presence. Why could he go there? Because sin was paid for. The atonement had happened, and now we can go immediately. The moment you die, you go. if you have put your faith in Jesus, you go immediately into God's presence at that moment, at that very moment. That's what Jesus accomplished on the cross. He made it possible. That fire that came down showed that the Holy Spirit, not only is the Holy Spirit in us now, but we can go right into God's presence. If you put your faith in Jesus Christ, when you die someday, you will go right into God's presence. And if you don't, there's no purgatory, there's no in-between, you go right into hell. That's, that's the only two options. But we, someday, if we have put our faith in Christ, we will go right into God's presence. But we don't have to wait now. If you have put your faith in Jesus, you don't have to wait till you die to go into God's presence. We can go into God's presence any time. Anytime. Hebrews 4, 14 to 16. I hope you have it memorized. In Hebrews 4, because I use it a lot. Hebrews 4, 14, where it says... Therefore, since we have a great high priest who has gone through the heavens, Jesus Christ, the Son of God, let us hold firmly to the faith we profess. For we do not have a high priest who is unable to sympathize with our weaknesses, but we have one who has been tempted in every way, just as we are, yet was without sin. Now, here we go. Let us, let us then approach the throne of grace with confidence so that we may receive mercy and find grace to help us in our time of need. We are invited, encouraged to come into God's presence constantly, anytime for mercy. Every time you mess up, we need mercy. Forgive me, God. Every time we need some encouragement or going through a battle, I need grace to find mercy in grace. And it's not after we clean ourselves up. It's go right away. Go right away. We're encouraged to go into God's presence anytime. And that's the whole point of Easter. That's the whole point of Easter. That's what Easter accomplished for us. That we now have the Holy Spirit. The resurrection means that we can now have the Holy Spirit living inside of us. And we can now go immediately into God's presence when we die. And right now, anytime. We can go into his presence anytime. That's what Romans 8.28. A lot of us don't know. That's what Romans 8.28 is talking about where it says, and we know that in all things God works for the good of those who love him, who have been called according to his purpose. Let me go down a couple verses to verse 34. Who is he that condemns? Christ Jesus who died. More than that, who was raised to life is at the right hand of God and is also interceding for us. That's why we can go into his presence. That's why we can go get mercy and grace. He's right there interceding for us. Who shall separate us, verse 35, from the love of Christ? Shall trouble or hardship or persecution or famine or nakedness, or danger, or sword. Verse 37, no, in all these things we are more than conquerors through him who loved us. For I'm convinced that neither death nor life, neither angels nor demons, 
neither the present nor the future, nor any powers, neither height nor depth, nor anything else in all the creation will be able to separate us from the love of God that is in Christ Jesus our Lord. No matter what you're going through, because of the resurrection of Jesus Christ, because of that bolt of fire, that's a promise no matter what you're going through. God is not against you. God is not against us. God is for us. God, and it's all because of the resurrection. Look at the verse there. All because of the resurrection. And that's why backing up to verse 28, and we know that in all things God works for the good of those who love him, who have been called according to his purpose, no matter what mess we've made, no matter what we've done wrong, no matter how bad it is, no matter how bad something else that happened to us, doesn't matter if, if look what happened to the believers in Sri Lanka today. Hundreds of them killed and hundreds of them wounded by bombings, by terrorist bombings on Easter Sunday in their churches. Even that, even that is victory. You see it right here in verses 37 to 38, persecutions doesn't separate us. No matter what we are going through in our life, God can bring good out of it. God will, no, no, will bring good out of it. He will bring something good out of it. He will, he will turn it for good. No matter how bad it is, he can transform anything. It might look like everything's against us, but no matter what trials or how long they're lasting or what we're going through, we have the promise of Romans 8.28, and the proof is the resurrection. The proof is the resurrection. And look when the resurrection happened. It happened after the cross. That was horrible. Jesus was completely defeated, Right? Everything he did was falling apart. And yet that was leading to the resurrection. And many times, the worst thing that happens to us is leading to God bringing about a resurrection. His resurrection power. Because of Easter, because of the fire that fell, we know that Jehovah is the one true God. We know that Jesus is his one true son. That's the proof. We, the resurrection is a proof that our sins can be forgiven, that we have the power to live a brand new life. No matter how many times we fall flat, we still have the power to get up and keep living a brand new life. We may have been born this way, but we can now live his way. I don't care what way you've been born. We've all been born some way bad. We may have been born this way, but we can now live his way because of the power of the resurrection. We don't have to, and we don't have to fear anything, even death. We don't have to fear a thing. All because of the resurrection of Jesus Christ. Do you have that faith? Do you have that assurance? Do you have that power in your life? Do you know that you can go into God's presence right this second? And do you know that you will be with him forever someday? Do you know that no matter what mess you're in the middle of, whether you cause it or someone else caused it, whatever you're going through, do you, know that, do you know that God is going to bring something good out of it and bring his purpose in your life? Do you know that? You can know that right now by putting your faith in Jesus Christ, his death on that cross, his resurrection for our behalf. Let's pray. John 3.16 says, For God so loved the world that he gave his one and only Son 
that whoever believes in him shall not perish but have eternal life. Whoever believes in him shall have life. Have you ever believed in Jesus Christ? It's not something we do in our head. It's something that happens in our heart. It's not an intellectual ascent. It's a putting our trust, complete trust in. That's what faith means. to put. Just like a little baby clinging to a parent, we cling on to, to Jesus and say, hold me. I'm trusting you to take me to your father. Have you ever put your faith in Jesus Christ? Do you want this resurrection power? Do you want the promises that come with it? Do you want the promise that no matter what you have carried in, it can be forgiven and God will bring something good as you persevere in the spirit. God will bring something good out of anything in your life. Anything and everything. You can put your faith in Jesus right now. You can receive the Holy Spirit to come inside and live inside of you right this second. It's a simple prayer of faith. God, I believe Jesus, your son, died on that cross for me. So that I could be forgiven. I ask you to forgive me. So that I could have a relationship with you God again. I want that. I put my faith in Jesus. I don't want the garbage and the sin anymore. I walk away. I turn away. I put my faith in Jesus. I give my life to Jesus. If you have prayed that prayer of faith, something incredible has happened. You may not, you might already realize it, but even if you don't, you will. Because you are not the same person. You can never be the same person again. The Holy Spirit, God's actual spirit is living in you and has formed you into a brand new creation. You have a brand new life. And I want to encourage you, if you've prayed that prayer of faith, to let somebody know. Maybe you're here with a family member, you're a friend, or, or tell me on the way out. Let somebody know. Email me, text me. Let somebody know, because we're going to be so excited for you, and we're going to encourage you and help you in your new life. This Easter Sunday, you will never forget, because it's your resurrection from being spiritually dead into a brand new person. Write it in our Bible. Write it down, the exact date and time. The day that you became a brand new creation in Jesus Christ. For those of us who already put our faith in Christ, how is the Holy Spirit encouraging us? Maybe we're going through a lot. Maybe we've felt like we're going to lose our faith. Maybe we're starting to wonder, does, does God really care about me? But you know because of this promise and because of what happened in Jesus' life, you know once again refocusing our faith that God does care, that God does have a purpose.
He hasn't forgotten us. He's going to bring something good out of the bad. And someday in heaven, someday he's going to sit us down and really lay it out for us. But we don't have to wait till we get to heaven. We can come into his presence right now. No matter what we've carried in today, we can come into the, the throne and leave it at his feet and ask for God's mercy and grace. Father, I pray that this Easter we would all have new hope that we would really be filled with your Holy Spirit's power. That we would know the fullness of your Spirit and know the fullness of the love that you have for us, proven through your Son, Jesus Christ, his death, his resurrection. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.